Hello, everybody, and welcome to Humanity First. I'm Peter Evers, and I'm privileged to be the CEO of uh, BAMSI. And today in the podcast, um, we have Chris Ryan in the studio. And um, many people in the organization, I'm sure, know Chris, but uh, he uh, has another life. Uh, he works as a radio host of the morning show in New Hampshire. Um, and um, he's probably a really good person to talk to about anger. Um, <laughs> Chris, we were talking a little bit earlier about um, about outrage and about anger and about where the country is going in terms of our ability to uh, air our grievances, I mm-hmm. would say, and to and to um, talk about our differences. And uh, I guess I'll just ask you, what's it like um, being uh, the target of um, uh, hate? I would say sometimes on both sides of the political spectrum. How do you how do you manage that on a day to day basis? Um, I don't know if you do quote unquote manage it. You just kind of accept it and um, move forward. You know, I am a big believer in listening to what people have to say and trying to take from it um, what is best to uh, kind of improve yourself because a lot of what criticism exists um, can be helpful in trying to to better yourself. It can also fuel you in a lot of ways to um, to do better. But one of the you know the major challenges that exists in our current time period is that people aren't really arguing over you know uh, facts per se or um, everyone is coming at this from a very per- not everyone but a lot of people are coming at it from a very personal perspective. So the the goal is to tear down whomever it is viewed as being your opposition and um, to engage in what we have called in politics for many years kind of the, the nuclear method. Mm-hmm. Like you go nuclear on someone. You have – like in politics, you have an opposition file and you have certain things that you can attack with a person if you're running against a candidate and you'll – utilize some of your material and then you have going nuclear on the person what are the worst possible things that you have that you can you know go after somebody with and it's kind of what you see on a day in day out basis and it makes you it makes you wonder about people to, to a large degree and you understand that this is like such a small percentage of the population but i will get messages calls emails from very often the exact same people with the most hateful rhetoric focused on family and my story is not one that is unique by any way shape or form um you know i have friends in the industry and you know my i'm a talk show host so i will take hard lines on things and i have strong opinions and so that's to be expected but a lot of these people are in like they're like news reporters (laughs) they just and they get the same type of um accusations and everyone's you know, a part of some sort of a vast conspiracy that's aimed at um, whoever the person is. And uh, it's, you know, I often talk about the need to ask why about everything. And that's what I find myself doing with, with these people is is why. I could, how could you be so passionate in your hatred towards some abstract figure? But we see it all the time. We've seen it in politics for for years. I mean, people who don't know Joe Biden or Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Donald Trump are able to develop such a a hatred for somebody that is basically seen as abstract and not human in their view, where if they were in the same room with them, um, their stance would be very different. 
Yeah, I, I think that's true. It, as I come back um, to my house every night, there's a, a flag outside that says impeach Biden. Um, and then there's another one a little bit further next door, actually. They're actually having this um, this flag war that's going on. And it's kind of interesting because it's sort of a bit like a nuclear arms race. You know, there's another flag that goes up the next day uh, competing against the opposition. And uh, it just struck me as rather sad, actually, that, yeah. you know, that these two incredibly different opinions have been aired, probably not with a full um, sphere of, uh, of knowledge around what's going on. Right. You know, when I think of it, this weekend, um, I'm sure you read about this in Nashville. There was a conference at the uh, at the um, Gaylord Opera House, mm-hmm. and it was a uh, anti-vaxxer mm-hmm. uh, conference, and there were thousands and thousands of people. But it wasn't just about COVID vaccine; it was about all vaccines. Mm-hmm. And then they had invited people, who, the conspiracy theorists, as well. And so it was this big. Um, melting pot of conspiracy theories and uh, non-factual based ideas that were in one place. And I was thinking, that's what really worries me because the, the, the ideas ferment and, and, they, and they, take, they take energy from mm-hmm. each other's theories and coming out of that. Basically, nobody was vaccinated. Nobody was wearing a mask. So it'll probably be a super spreader event. Right. But that, that those messages of hate go back into our communities and into our society, um, uh, uh, and it's sort of unleashing hatred on the world. And what what is it? You know, you said why that question? Why? I think about that as well. Is it that people feel disconnected from the power, from the authority that exists in this country? Do you think so? From a psychological perspective, I feel that each person wants to have a a sense of belonging, and they want to have something that they believe in. And they feel that they have been failed by many institutions, and in some cases, rightfully so. Like If you're of the Catholic Church, um, you may feel that that institution has failed you. You may feel the police have failed and government has failed. And... Everybody wants something that they can believe in, and you know that's why these folks are also very susceptible to charismatic um, leaders who will then, you know, make them promises that they're not going to keep. But um, for whatever reason, they continue to um, to engage with said said leaders and believe in said leaders, um, and. I, I I can't I can't pinpoint you know why because each person is is different and you know there may be various aspects of um, their uh, psychological story which have led them to the point where they're at now but um, we're seeing you know Facebook has been the focus of uh, a lot of conversation um, and you know earlier this week uh, some of the other um, tech giants were on the hill snapchat mm-hmm. and tiktok and mm-hmm. and others and you know there is now forums and opportunity for people who are lonely and feel disconnected and need a sense of belonging to connect with other people who feel the same way and what's really interesting about the last election is that so many people were so isolated and siloed and in such echo chambers that a Trump, a true Trump believer, or a true Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden believer, could not fathom that there would be somebody that would vote for somebody else because all their friends were doing the exact same thing. They didn't know anybody that right. voted for Joe Biden, and so how could he get you know eighty-one million votes or whatever it was? 
um, they couldn't they couldn't fathom it because everything about their entire lives was anti Biden, anti Democratic Party, pro Trump, and that's all they they heard. And um, you know, it's a it's a fascinating look at the specialization that exists um, and the on demand society that we live in, where literally, if you whether uh, what's your football team. Sheffield United. Yeah. So you could, if you wanted to, create a, an entire world based upon Sheffield United, where I you have. get <laughs> – yeah, yeah. I'm glad I'm speaking to somebody with, with lived experience. Um, you could create a whole world based upon what your interests are and basically silo yourself off from the rest of the world. Is that healthy for us as human beings? No, but it also feeds our desire to be individualistic and make us feel like we are – not cheap, but at the end of the day, you're yeah, kind of are. Yeah. And um, the anti-vax thing has been um, fascinating because anti-vaxxers have existed for a long period of time, mm-hmm. and but they have been proliferated because of the um, availability of platforms and technology that's allowed them to to do so. And even in our campaign, which has focused on just awareness. With the vaccine, advocating for the vaccine, we're not mandating or telling anybody they have to get the vaccine or mandating or advocating for government mandates or anything else, just providing information about the vaccine. You know, we have been sought out and received, um, you know, hateful messages Mm -hmm. because of that. And I just think it's a it's a time period where people will look back 30, 40, 50 years from now with just incredible fascination and I am really interested to see how history is written about, you know, this this time period um, where people want to believe in something, but they've been let down so often. And all the uh, entities of power um, are seemingly able to benefit off of the dysfunction that's been created from a financial and power perspective. So they perpetuate it. And in fact, everyone who is fighting with one another should be on the same team and (laughs) looking at how their country has kind of been um, taken from them, the commonalities that they have, and joined in common force. But instead, they are left to kind of pick from the scraps of the table and fight with one another for those scraps while bl- blaming the other person for taking more scraps than they have. Right. And more and more of the the wealth of the country is owned by less and less people. Right. I mean, you look at the pan- the pandemic, you look at – it doesn't matter what president is. Under Barack Obama or Donald mm-hmm. Trump or Joe Biden, the rich have gotten richer mm-hmm. at an insanely mm-hmm. high rate since the Great Recession. Right. And that has continued. So, you know – Again, like I've said many times before, um, if you if you don't understand something, always ask wh- who's benefiting and why. Right. And generally, you'll find money and power at the end of it. And um, if, if you find somebody is a great speaker and they're telling you to do something and um, or buy a product, always ask why and what is the person benefiting from it. And then you'll have a better place of understanding about what is being said and why um, it is being said. 
Wise words, and I think one of the things that I worry about, Chris, is that there's more, less and less opportunity for more um, middle-of-the-road news stations to tell their story. You know, this year, 250 uh, newspapers have, have closed in this mm-hmm. country, which were traditionally the place where people got their news and, mm-hmm. and were able to sit and, you know, look for an old bike and learn about local politics at the same time. I think the idea of people being herded into a particular particular gate, if you like, of information is 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 totally um, sort of driving a wedge between people. And I think the last thing that I think about is that as we as we ha- as we are disempowered, the idea of believing in a conspiracy theory is actually empowering to those people right. because it's I know something that you don't, right. um, and so the 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 truth of it is actually irrelevant if we actually look at the psychological sort of uh, reasons for people um, going into these corners. Yeah, I'm not prone to hyperbole, and this is another one of those situations. the The country will die without journalism. The country will die without local. Um, journalists, if we are led just strictly by the the fringes and opinion based media, and there is no um, entities left at the local and perhaps even the national level um, because of the distrust that's been sowed um, by the people who would benefit most from that distrust, then we will fall apart. There's always been an acquiescence. Um, to the media, a dislike uh, of the media from um, political folks, but they've understood, and this kind of gets back to the um, conversation about doing things for the greater good. They've always understood that a free press that reports facts and is honest with the American people and local people um, is essential to our democracy. Because if there is no watchmen, if there are no people who are there to ask questions, uh, the country will fall apart uh, from um, from greed uh, and rampant um, corruption because no one will be there to say no. No one will be there to shine mm-hmm. the light. And the people who will shine the light from the opinion-based aspect will not be believed by the overall majority of Americans because they will be discredited based upon being on one team or oh, yeah. the other. Yeah. Um, and if there is no referee, if there is no believable journalistic uh, aspect of things, um, that is one of the aspects of how we lose our uh, our democracy. And the other piece is not having a middle that is willing to uh, to stand up and to fight and to be engaged. And apathy, um, apathy, and anger are destroying um, us at this point. Anger from both sides at the other while rooting on their team um, and apathy in the middle uh, are brute causes of of problems. And just to conclude, um, local journalism is so important for entities such as this and other nonprofits as well, where um, if you're you're beating your own drum and operating in your own silo in digital – um, that's great, and you're able to get your message out there, and you're able to um, to, to push that out, and it's, it's great. But having the legitimacy of a believable um, and trusted media source in the community to talk about what's taking place is such an important stamp of approval. 
Um, that stamp of approval is, has now changed, and it is basically individuals telling the story and advocating on part of organizations as the local piece has died out. And it's also important you know, to keep a watchful eye on what nonprofits are doing. How much money do they spend mm-hmm. on you know, uh, higher-ups and, and um, you know, uh, management uh, costs as compared to actually helping the community? And who is going to tell those stories once local media <clears throat> is gone? And it is going. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a gloomy thought, but you know I think that people can do something about that, and I think there will be a hopefully a drift back to uh, to this sort of local news being local. I think you know the other thing it is you know anger and apathy, but it's also cynicism. I think when people develop cynicism in the process, I either to the to the press or to our politics, then I think we let, let lay ourselves open to all I sorts of problems. I disagree a little bit with that because I'm a cynic. Um, <laughs> so I think healthy cynicism is what very often drives the best journalists. Um, but you have to want to not be dismissive with your cynicism, but your your cynicism needs to need to bring you to a place where you're more questioning and when you're asking questions and then once you are given answers you um look to be suffice you look for those answers to suffice as opposed to just being cynical and you know be snarky yeah snark the problem uh, cynicism healthy cynicism is good snark is not and right. snark is just being like nah that's that right. sucks like that no no that's that's not good but there's a certain political um uh Movement that actually wants to to create cynicism in the in the voting block to think they're all useless, but this guy tells the truth, and I think that sometimes happens. So, but I, I do think cynicism is important in that regard. Yeah, but that's also been you know the basis of our politics since the very beginning, where you know you had Monroe and, and Jefferson um, taking on names in in newspapers that supported one. Mm-hmm. Group and then the, that, but during that time period, there were also um, newspapers that you could rely upon that were going to report the the news. In addition to very, very much the you know the news, the talk shows of the day and opinion shows. Um, but the problem is that opinion has replaced the journalism and often kind of crosses the the lines of those two. So I, I do think that being cynical, is, a healthy cynicism is. Is good because that also leads to engagement, but the cynicism has to also bring about positive change. Yeah, and it will, and, and, and continue to debate and trying to work out why people are angry as opposed to you're just angry. I think is the is the direction forward. Chris, it's been great having you on Humanity First. Thanks so much. Thank you, Peter.